Great. Well, if you're watching online, we want to welcome you, and I trust you're going to enjoy this message and be challenged to join with us in the three weeks of prayer and fasting. And uh, I spoke a message a couple of weeks ago, and it was called Pathways to Power, number one, fasting. And uh, I want to uh, continue on, Pathways to Power, number two, prayer. So we'll go back to where we were, and uh, I really love the encouragement of Pastor Dave just with the holier of kingdom values, because, well, I can tell you from experience that uh, one of the things we find at the beginning of every year when we have a season of prayer and fasting, it realigns our life. So we don't, you cut out the media, you cut out TV, cut out watching all kinds of stuff, and focus deliberate attention on drawing near to God. And what happens is you begin to find yourself, it's like uh, naturally your body becomes cleansed by the fasting, but also your soul begins to shift and change. You start to align and you set your year up well. Amen? How many want to set the year up well? Okay, let's just pick up where we were in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, Jesus is uh, preaching. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the values and lifestyle of the kingdom. So it begins with the, in the Sermon on the Mount, with the values of the kingdom, what you value in your life that brings prosperity to you. So then he goes on to talk about do it in Matthew chapter 6. Notice what he says in verse, uh, let's pick it up in verse 2. Notice he says, when you give or when you do charitable deeds. Verse 5, verse, uh, sorry, verse 2. Verse 5, when you pray, when you pray. And then you go down into verse uh, 16, and when you fast. So he's not saying if you do it. He's saying, if you want to live a kingdom lifestyle, if you want to be a son who represents the Father, if you want to live a life that makes a difference, has impact, then it's when you fast, when you pray, when you give. And these are keys when you lock them together that unlock the power of God. They unlock intimacy with God. They unlock the power of God into our life. And so I want to encourage you along those lines today. Uh, we saw last week when God was looking for somewhere to pour out His Spirit. God was looking for a man that He could be the doorway for a fresh move of God to the Gentiles. He chose Cornelius, and we saw in Acts chapter 10 how Cornelius prayed. Cornelius gave generously. Cornelius fasted. So we're having a season now of fasting and praying and then later on in, January, in February, we'll have a special uh, offering, a seed offering. It's a breakthrough offering. So if you haven't done the fasting and praying, I don't think that's going to do a lot of good. But I encourage you to put all three together, have something specific you want, the breakthrough, and then sow at the end of the fast. And uh, we've just completed our three weeks fast as we go to Miami. We've already prepared our seed to sow in that place. And uh, it's just a principle that we live by. And uh, when you sacrifice, you find God responds. Okay, I want to just pick up now, focus on this uh, pathway to power, which is the pathway of prayer. How many find prayer difficult? Of course you do. It, prayer is it's, it's challenging for us. And many people quit on prayer because they don't seem to, they feel the time I've invested doesn't seem to have an outcome doesn't seem to result in anything, or they don't feel a reward or benefit from it. So I want to share some things to shift our thinking about prayer, and then just give you some practical keys on what to do. So number one, the priority prayer. Number one, priority prayer. Priority of prayer. Prayer in Jesus' life 
was top priority. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. We find that as we look in his ministry, everywhere we see him praying. You find him constantly, the beginning of his ministry, 40 days of prayer and fasting. Then he returns, Luke 4, 14, in the power of the Spirit. Mark 1 and verse 35, it says, Then uh, he arose while it was still dark and went to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now, the context for that is Jesus is surrounded by the pressure of needs. He's got people pressing on him. He's got demands pressing on him. He's living a fairly high-paced life where he's under pressure all the time. And in the midst of pressure, he doesn't let his prayer life diminish. Oh, I'm busy. I've got good stuff to do. Rather, he rises even earlier while it's still dark and gets to pray and finds revelation and direction for that day. Now, many of us face pressures. People get uptight, they get stressed, they get anxious. And one of the reasons that we struggle so much with life is because we haven't built a solid foundation of arising before the day starts, engaging with God to be strengthened and refreshed and to get wisdom and a release of His power for the day. In that situation, with all the pressure and demands, the Father said, I want you to move to another situation. He, he spoke to him clearly direction for that day. So I have found personally, I prayed in the morning, prayed in the middle, I prayed in the evening, prayed all kinds of different times. I found the one that works for me best is the morning. And the reason it works best early in the morning, especially if it's still dark, is because the whole atmosphere is very quiet. There's no noise, there's no disturbance. It's very, very easy to engage God first thing in the morning or late at night. The atmosphere is very quiet and clear. I find getting up at the beginning of the day to start having time with God, it puts a confidence, it puts a strength, it sets your day right. Whereas if you don't do that, you're kind of feeling all day, oh, I need to pray sometimes, I need to pray. Maybe late. And then the evening comes, you're just tired out and you can't pray. So I encourage you, if you're going to do it, get up early in the morning or find the time that works really well when you can have a great time of prayer. In Luke 5, 16, Jesus said, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Often, often. So in other words, when they looked at Jesus' lifestyle, they see he was in the morning, he sometimes prayed through the night, he sometimes prayed in the evening, he sometimes prayed in the afternoon. One of the things that characterized the life of Jesus was prayer, prayer that reached in and took hold of God, took hold of the Father, and released the power of God to change people's lives. Now, people want influence. People want to make their life have an impact. I tell you now, the key to doing that is that we engage with God and shift our priorities. Firstly, the kingdom of God and what's important to Him. In uh, Mark, we find in uh, Mark... Uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, my house, my house. So today, what is the house of God? What is the house of God? Oh, you are, you are. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer of all nations. So what should you be known for? Prayer. Not for all kinds of other things. We should be known for prayer. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so in other words, what Jesus is saying is the priority he places first for his people is that of prayer. 
and it's prayer for all ethnic groups. It's prayer for people to be saved. It's prayer for lives to be changed. It's prayer for people to get a breakthrough. God's priority is prayer. Why is that? Because God has delegated authority of, uh, for men to represent him on the earth and power will not be released from heaven to the earth until someone steps up and accesses the source and receives the power and releases it. When you get to heaven, you have no need for the authority of God. When you get to heaven, you have no need for healing the sick. When you get to heaven, you have no need for casting demons. All of that stuff is to do down here now. And so prayer is a high priority. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Are you known for your prayer life? Men, are you known in your household that you are a man of prayer? Or is that the woman stuff? No, Jesus said, my house, if you're his house, you're to be a house of prayer. And he said, but you have made it something else. You've made it a TV watching machine. You've made it a games machine. You've made it something else. In other words, what he's saying is, you chose a different priority to mine. My priority for my house is firstly, it's a place of prayer where heaven earth engages heaven, heaven engages earth. That's why we need to be in prayer. The church should be known for its prayer. Yet if you have a, a, a teaching series on prayer, people don't want to come. Or come for a prophetic one where I can get a word from God. Listen, if you learned to pray, you'd get words from God every day. Instead of wait once a year for a prophet to come, choose me, pick me. Oh, he didn't pick me. I'd have wait another year. Is he coming back this year? And what kind of life is that? Listen, we're not meant to live that way, living off someone else's ministry. We're to live off our own relationship with God out of a priority of prayer. We need to make it a priority. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That means make prayer your priority. Make God's interest your priority, and everything else you need will be attracted into you. Prayer, placing God's interest, God's kingdom first, will, uh, will initiate a law of attraction that will bring things to you. Instead of sweating, being anxious, struggling like everyone else, initiate the law of attraction. Initiate it by prayer. Initiate it by kingdom priorities. And so we see very clearly the, uh, that Jesus placed a high priority on prayer. God places priority on prayer. If we're going to be like him, then we should be placing priority on prayer. How many feel challenged already? Prayer is my priority. Have you prayed today? Did you pray yesterday? Are you in a lifestyle of prayer? Prayer is about engaging with God. So, we, okay, let me get on to the next thing. Prayer, prayer releases. The, the power of God is released by believing prayer. All through the Bible, the thing you'll see everywhere is that when power is released, always someone was praying. Even if it isn't obvious when you read the passage, always when a life was transformed, when God engaged, someone somewhere was praying. In my life, change took place because someone I didn't even know about was praying for me, praying believing prayer, faith-based prayers, not prayers of doubt, not prayers of saying, what a tough guy this guy is, what a resistant religious guy this is, what a drinker he is. They weren't saying those things. They were saying, God, we believe for him to be saved. By faith today, we hold his salvation before the throne. See, if someone had to do that kind of praying for me to break out of the bondage I was in, 
You, someone has to pray for your friends to be saved. They're not beyond the reach of God. They're, they're not too hard for God. They're not impossible for God to reach. Someone needs to pray. Someone needs to believe. Someone needs to stand on the Word of God and believe. It is not the will of God that any perish. It's not the will of God my son perish or be locked in this bondage. It is his will to be free. Someone needs to stand up and believe for that to happen. The person you're praying for doesn't believe it's going to happen. That's why they're living like they are. They need you to pray and believe. You want to see friends saved? You need to start with prayer and fasting and believing for their salvation. Don't just pray and see the problems. Rather, see that person standing before the throne of God holding their hands up. God, by faith, I see them saved. That's your will. I pray your will to come into being over their life. We need to be quite assertive in our prayer, strong in our prayer. So it's the responsibility of every believer to pray. Why? Because two main reasons. Number one, the primary purpose of prayer is to develop intimacy or communication with God. Now, most people, when they pray, it's a one-way street. They just talk and walk away. What's wrong with that? Well, okay, that's all right for one or two days. But if you want to build a relationship, if only one person's talking, that's not a good relationship. God wants us to engage with Him and then be intimate or commune with Him so we build our relationship. How can you know what God is like if you don't spend time with Him? How can you know what God's like if you don't listen to Him? I mean, how can you know what your wife is like or what she wants if you don't listen to her? And if you don't listen to her, probably she will tell you several times. You understand, God, God wants us to have intimacy. That means I should be regularly hearing him speak to me. Every person can hear God speak. If your prayer life is not developed where you're not hearing God speak, then you need to get help. Or you need to ask the question, what is missing in my prayer that I don't hear God, that I'm not receiving from Him? You know, when we started out uh, in, in a Pentecostal church, it was in a small town. You think, well, what can you learn there? Well, man, I learned so much. Here's the, here's the deal. We used to have most of the meetings we had, that they were what they call body ministry. In other words, when you came, everyone had to have something fresh from God to share. None of this, the cell group leader takes a study and you all follow along and ask a few questions. None of that. This was the real deal. This was where everyone studied at home in their prayer time with the Lord. And then when you came to a meeting, I got something fresh God is speaking to me about. And you, you would be staggered at how people would come and they all had something on the same theme. It's like someone, who told them? Who rung them and told them, you got to study on that? No one, it was the Holy Ghost. And that's how I learned. I remember being in one meeting and they said, well, who's going to start the sharing? There was no one ready to share. And I remember the shame. Oh, I'm in a meeting and I haven't got anything fresh from God. I made an inner vow. Some of ours are good. I'll never be without something fresh from God. And every time I turned up in a meeting, I had something from God. Something God spoke through the time of prayer and study of the Word. Now, the church seems to have lost 
the personal responsibility we have to build our relationship with God. You build it through time in His presence. You build it through reading the Word of God and beginning to explore and ask Him to speak to you and guide you and, and open the Word up for you so you have insight and understanding. Oh, it's all getting quiet now. Oh, oh, oh. Well, things we need to sharpen up in this area. That's partly what the fasting is about. So the second purpose of prayer, of course, is to bring a release of a release of God's power into the earth. Let me just share with you several scriptures. I'll look at one of them only, but Luke 4, 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Matthew 17, 21, we find when the disciples couldn't cast out a demon, Jesus said, oh, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. In other words, there's not enough faith in your heart to remove that demon. There are some problems won't shift without prayer and fasting. That's affect what he's saying. Here's another one in Acts 4 and verse 31. And when they prayed, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Want to get filled with the Holy Ghost? We need to pray. Praying fills you up with the Holy Ghost. Some people are so dry, they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Need a fresh touch of God. I need a fresh touch of God every day. I can't stand it if I have time with God and I don't get to hear and get filled. That's, that's just not, not on. In Acts 13 and verse 2, it says, They prayed and fasted, and God spoke to them, and He began to commission people to go out and represent Him. How about that? So we notice each time you see people praying and fasting, something happens from heaven. There's either miracles released, there's power released, people get filled with the Holy Ghost, there's revelation, people are commissioned, people get a new direction in their life, all kinds of things happen. That's what should be happening for us, all of us. And when we gather corporately, we need to be expecting over the three weeks, God will speak, God will pour out. The prophetic gift will be unlocked and start to operate. In James 5, verse 16, 17, it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man releases great power into the earth. We need to learn how to pray effectively. We need to learn to pray fervently. That's passion. Now, you put the passion in the prayer. Just like you put the passion in the romance. See? I love you. Now, that's not going to cut it. You know, not my, I can't feel the love. There needs to be expression. And so passionate, fervent prayer releases the power of God. It says, Elijah struggled with problems just like we did, but when he prayed, the heavens withheld their rain, and he prayed again, and then the rain fell down. See, in order to make a difference in your generation, become a man of prayer, become a woman of prayer, set yourself, I will be a person of prayer. If there's anything I'm known for, I'll be known for prayer. In our house, I got up early in the morning, prayed. I've always prayed in the morning. First thing in the morning, praying. Become known for prayer. Look, look, look into this one here in 1 Samuel chapter 7. This is a brilliant one. Been meditating on this recently. I'll drop you a few things out to look at in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And uh, this is a season of revival or a, a difficult time in the nation of Israel. And I want you to have a look at what happens here. 1 Samuel chapter 5. Uh, 7 and verse 5. And Samuel said, Gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will, gather, I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured out before the Lord, and fasted that day. So there it is, prayer and fasting. Uh, and they said, We have sinned against the Lord. So notice, as they're praying and fasting, they addressed 
their shortcomings. They addressed their failures. In other words, the season of prayer and fasting is not just about getting God to do something. It's about bringing our life into divine alignment. So you'll find as you encounter God, there's always repentance. There's things in the heart, unkindness, lack of love, reserve, withholding. When you withhold, then something is wrong inside. Those are the things God brings up for us to repent of. And then it says there, notice what happened. Uh, it says, uh, Samuel judged the, the children of the Lord Israel at Mizpah. Now, when the Philistines heard the children of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and the children of Israel heard it. They were afraid. So now notice what's happened. They've come into a season of prayer, fasting, and repentance. They realized their lives are a mess. Things have gone off the rails. They've suffered. They're not prospering. They've gone backward. So they make a decision, having had direction from a prophet, turn back to the Lord. Get rid of your idols. Get rid of your substitutes. Get rid of the substitutes for God in your life. Get rid of the false comforts. Get rid of the things that you're attached to that are destructive to your life. You know what they are. The Holy Spirit knows what they are. He will talk to you if you'll let him know, if you'll ask him to. And so they got rid of the things. They began to repent of where their heart had grown cold. They began to repent of where there's a lack of love. They began to repent of where their priorities are wrong. They began to realign their lives with heaven through prayer and fasting. Now what happened? No great move of God. What happened was the enemy rose up and came against them to destroy them. Now, when you engage in prayer and fasting and have an intention to seek the Lord, there will be spiritual resistance. There are some problems which are caused by demons. And when you start to engage trying to address those things, there will be spiritual resistance. When the devil sees you determined to pray and fast and align with God, he will push back on you. How does he push back? Well, you may feel a heaviness. You may feel a discouragement. You may feel like, oh, I'm getting nowhere. There's nothing happening. Or you may feel hungry. I just, I'm so hungry. I gotta, I gotta eat or I'll die. No, you won't die. There's all kinds of things happen. Or you find conflicts arise. Suddenly in the season of prayer and fasting, you've got irritating things happen. You have little annoying things happen. You have little setbacks. All of those indicate that there is a pressure coming against you to take you from what the devil knows will bring change. And so I want you to see what they did about it. Now, there's some brilliant insights in this passage here uh, of prayer and fasting. And it said, so they, they turned to Samuel. And it says, the children of Israel, verse 8, cried out to Samuel, don't cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. Now, I want you to see what Samuel did. Now, as, as I read it, I want you to figure out in your own mind what he's referring to. Remember, the Old Testament natural stories are a, a, a picture for us of spirit reality. So here it is. Samuel took a suckling lamb and he offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then he cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. And as he was offering the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel and the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines uh, uh, on that day and so confused them. They were overcome before Israel and the men of Israel went out of Mizpah, pursued the Philistines, drove them back as far as Beth-Kar. 
And Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, saying, the, called its name Ebenezer, saying, the Lord has helped us. Now notice this. Now the Philistines were subdued. Subdued. They did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against them all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored and Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines, and there was now peace. Now, I want you to see here, what's happened is they've set their hearts into prayer and fasting and getting aligned with God, putting the kingdom of God first. So what's the first response is an enemy reaction to intimidate them. The problems got worse. The difficulties got worse, not better. In other words, the enemy came like a roaring lion to intimidate them and stop them gathering for prayer and fasting. The name Mizpah, where they gathered, means watchtower, the place of watching in prayer against the enemy. And when they began to pray and fast and seek God and offer sacrifice, what happens is the enemy rose against them. So this is what Samuel did. Samuel took a lamb. What is this a picture of? It's a picture of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. What did he do? He presented or he offered it up. This is a picture of Jesus Christ and his work at, the, at Calvary. Where, and the Bible tells us in Colossians 2, it says, At Calvary, Jesus subdued principalities and powers. He triumphed over them. He took all our sins, everything against us, nailing it to the cross. And the power of resurrection is released to us. So when they stood and held before the Lord the lamb, when they held before the lamb and sacrificed the lamb, God responded from heaven. His power was released. Now, they, were, they had thunder many times there. This is an unusual thunder. It's a thunder that's divinely oriented. It's not just something that came naturally. They were used to natural thunder. This was thunder that was so severe, it utterly confused the enemy. They became into great confusion. The people of God rose up. Now, get this. In a later place, it tells us they were in such bondage to the Philistines, they didn't even have a sword between them. So they just took up what they had and they pursued them because God had gone ahead and made the way. Now here's the thing. When we take the work of what Jesus did at the cross and we hold it and stand upon it, he has won the victory for us. The enemy is already scattered and in defeat, but we have a part to play. We have to take whatever we have and pursue and regain the ground we lost. Notice it says the cities were restored. The territories that were lost and had been invaded were retaken again. Now, how many of you have lost ground in some part of your life? You've lost a territory in your life. Perhaps there's compromise. Perhaps there's been neglect. Perhaps there's been a, a, a slackness spiritually. Perhaps you've just got other things have come into your life, but you've lost ground. You've lost confidence. You've lost your boldness. You've lost your prayer time. You've lost something in your relationship in your marriage. You've lost something with your family. Lost something in your financial area. You've lost ground. And you look and you say, I'm not where I used to be. I've lost ground. An enemy has invaded. Listen, when that happens, you recognize there's a need for me to rise in prayer and fasting and push back the enemy. Enemy. Push back the enemy. Push back the enemy. Why? Jesus has already won the victory. 
Listen, when I see many problems that men have or people have in marriages, the first place I look is to the man. Have you surrendered ground? Have you surrendered your leadership? Have you compromised? Have you given up your leadership? Have you indulged in false comforts? Have you surrendered the role God gave you? You need to repent and come with prayer and fasting and regain your position in Christ so you have authority in the Spirit to clear the atmosphere in your marriage and home. All got real quiet then. Because if God has appointed a man into leadership, if he fails to stand in it, something else will invade the place he left. It's usually a spiritual power. Many women labor in their marriages and with their families because the man is not doing what he's called to do as a priest and a man of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it something else. Therefore, something else happened that you didn't like. Repentance, prayer, fasting, reestablishing kingdom priorities, centering on the work of Christ, what he did at the cross for us. Man, there's so many things, eh? So many things. How many feeling a bit stirred already? A bit stirred. Okay, I'm going to have to just cut out some part of it. But let me just say this. There's a need in prayer for faith and for perseverance. You, you actually have to believe. Now, one thing, people pray, but they don't have faith in their heart. The Bible says it's when we, we believe with our heart and then we confess with our mouth. That's what brings us to salvation. In other words, there has to be faith. So in Hebrews eleven six, it tells us that uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, what pleases Him is our deep-seated trust in Him and His character. So when we pray, there has to be faith. I need to be praying based on my believing something. So it says, he that he said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God. So if you're going to come in prayer, there's two things he requires. Number one, you believe he is. Oh, I believe he is. No, 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 no. It's not saying that. No, no, you're missing it. You need to believe in who he is. See, that he exists. He is available. He can be accessed. He is interested in my life. He is all-powerful, almighty, everlasting God. That's who I need to believe in. Not some historic baby in a manger, but rather a living, real God who has all power. I need to believe in that. All power to touch my finances. All power to touch my marriage. All power to free my children. All power to break addictions. All power over every situation. I need to believe in Him. See? Secondly, I must, He rewards those who diligently seek Him. So the first thing I need to do is believe in who He is. Second, that He will repay me if I labor and persevere till the breakthrough. So to, to, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, who don't just pray once, but persevere until the answer is manifest. So we've had to pray over the years for every one of our children. And I still have to pray for them. Now I've got to pray for grandchildren as well. See, but why? Because someone needs to stand in prayer to bring protection and blessing into being. And you persevere at it. So even if you don't see the results straight away, you persevere. When Jesus spoke 
concerning prayer. He said this in Luke 18, 1. He said, men ought always pray and not faint or quit or give up because they're discouraged. Why are they discouraged? Didn't see a result straight away. And then he told the parable of the woman who was just tenacious and would not let go until justice was established. And he said, you be like that, be like that. He said, but when I come, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith that's tenacious in the earth? See, I don't think he will. Well, you'll find it in some places. So the question is whether you'll find it in you. Tenacious faith, faith that's like a bulldog faith. I'm holding on to this promise of God. Even though the situation is difficult and it's been that way a long time, I believe it will change. Because God is a God who has power to change things. Let me give you just a few practical tips in your praying, and then we'll just get to pray, to pray together as a body of people. I'm encouraging you to go for it as we get into time of prayer. So that's what Jesus, let's just finish in Matthew chapter 6, where we started. Matthew chapter 6 is what Jesus said. Matthew 6. Here it is. He said, verse 6, when you pray, go in and shut your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who is in the season the secret will reward you openly. See, so number one, you need a secret place. You need a place that you set apart for prayer. I have two places I set apart for prayer. One is a walking place. The other is a room place. And in that room place, I have worship playing a lot of the time. It's a place where you build an atmosphere. It's a place where you establish an open heaven. Make a room. Set aside a place where you can go to pray. He says, set and then close the door. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be a place which is solitary. It needs to be a place, no distractions. No distractions. Uh, your prayer place, no cell phones, no TV. No nothing there that's going to distract you. It's there for you to engage with Father. This is your divine appointment. If you think of praying as something I have to do, you're missing it. It's my appointment to meet with my Father. I am coming to meet my Father. I shut the door, turn off everything else, and I am alone to meet with Him. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So what does He, he say to do then? When you're there in secret... There's all sorts of distractions can come. I mentioned a few of them. Your body will distract you. You get distracted by mindsets. You're distracted in your thoughts. But we need to overcome those things. And this is what he says. The two things he says to do. He says, number one, and you must do this when you come in prayer. Understand, Daddy knows all your needs. So don't come with a long shopping list. See, you imagine here, if I, if I come to Alan, and every time I come to him, I say, hi, Alan, hey, listen, I've got all these things. Listen, can you help me out with this? Help me out with this. Now, listen, after a little while, he's going to say, what kind of relationship is that? All you're coming to me for is, is you want something. I'll hold back a bit now to get real hunger for relationship because that's what I'm looking for. I want to help you. I love you. You're my child. But listen, I don't want you to keep coming like I'm some vending machine. I want relationship. So that's why Jesus said, now when you come to pray, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, we honor your name. In other words, it's very intimate. He it says, come like a little child. Holy Spirit, help me to pray. Help bring me into the presence of my Father. For that's what you do. Now, Father, I come to you as your child. I come to you. As a child you love, I come to you as a child that you paid a huge price for, and I come and I honor you, Father. 
Father, I love you, I honor you. Notice it says, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means to honor. It means to place high value. High value on the name. Well, what does that mean? High value on the name of the Lord. Well, in, in Exodus 34, verse 6, I shared with you, uh, the Lord said, I'll come and I'll, I'll reveal my name. And this is what he said. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy to thousands, forgiving iniquity, sin, and transgression. That's who He is. The Lord, the Lord God. That means eternal, unchanging, almighty. Father, I come before you. I acknowledge and honor you today. You're the eternal God, almighty God. There is nothing too difficult for you. I honor you, my Father. I bless you, my Father. I come before you to praise you and to worship you and to honor your name. says, I do that. I start to feel His presence very quickly. So we honor His name. You see, honoring His name is not just with your words. Honor His name in your lifestyle. So as we come to honor Him, I believe the first part is we come with praise. Psalm 95 says, come into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Make a joyful noise. So don't just be subdued. Come strongly. Put some strong music on. Come strongly. Begin to praise Him. Give Him the honor. Pray in the Spirit. Give Him a good, decent amount of time. Spend time just honoring Him and blessing Him. Praying in the Spirit. Lifting up and building an atmosphere for when His presence comes. Then begin to worship. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord. And so as we praise Him for a while, then we begin to find the atmosphere changes. And we want to be quiet. We want to hear His voice. And I always have a journal. And I sit and write out things to Him and, and listen for what He has to say. And Father will speak. And you can dialogue. He wants to speak. Father, I honor your name. See, so the first and most important part of all prayer is the honor and the worship and engaging Father. Then we still don't bring our list to need. The second part is the alignment of our life with his priorities. Father, your kingdom come. Father, your will be done. Father, I submit and surrender to you. I surrender my body and my life to you. I surrender my soul and all its faculties to you. I surrender my spirit to you. <clears throat> Father, I yield you. Father, I call forth your rule in my life. I call forth your kingdom in my life. I call forth your will in my life. See, start with your own life. Now listen, if you're praying for your marriage and you've been unkind to your wife, God, I'm not going to hear your prayers. You need to repent. Let's get into kingdom alignment your wife and you're reactionary to your husband all the time, well, God's not going to hear that prayer either. You say you pray for your marriage all your life, but you're not in kingdom alignment. There's no faith, no power in it. God won't bless what He's not, not ordered. See, you're wanting God to bless your finances? Well, have another look at your finances. Are they in divine order? See, when I pray thy kingdom come, it's the rule of Christ. It's His divine order that, that ensures blessing. 
seek first his kingdom. If I will, so if I'm praying for an area, I need to put it right with Father. Father, I repent. There's a whole area I realize you're speaking to me. I need, I just turn from that thing right now. Father, forgive me for believing the lies. Forgive me, Lord, for walking my own way. Father, today I bring it into alignment. Now, Father, let your will be done. I bind my children to your kingdom purpose. I bind my children to your kingdom purpose. I call your destiny upon their life. I stand. Now you see, when you're starting to stand in prayer, you're standing from the place of intimacy and you're not standing on the earth crying up to try and overcome a demon. You're standing out of the, the you're, you're in the place of the seated in heavenly places and you're now exercising authority. So now you begin to make decrees. I decree over my life and start to decree the word of God. I decree favor rests upon me. Favor rests upon my finances. My children shall be taught of the Lord. Every one of them shall prosper. You begin to decree the words of God. You begin to say over the situation what you are believing for. You speak commands. You speak decrees. You speak the word of God. You speak from a place of intimacy. You speak from a place of confidence. This is what God says. I am holding on to God's word. I'm holding it around my circumstance until my circumstance shifts. So prayer becomes very assertive. Father loves it. And stuff happens. So you could overcome a lot of stress if you build a stronger prayer life. And instead of worrying about stuff, I saw a great quote the other day. Talked about wasting time worrying about what you can't change when prayer, you talk to God about what He can change. I thought that's a brilliant statement. So we need to commit to prayer. Just close your eyes for a moment right now. I feel the presence of God here. He is wanting us to pray. If you're watching online, God is reaching out to you right now. Now listen, before we do anything else, I want to ask you this question. What did the Holy Spirit challenge you over during this message? What did He challenge you over? What caused you to feel uncomfortable? What caused you to feel exposed? What caused you to feel, oh, I need to change that? What caused you to feel, oh, I need to move in that area? See, Holy Spirit's at work. He helps us to pray. So He shows us where we're missing out and helps us overcome it. What will you do about that thing? What will you do about that? Will you commit to become a man of prayer? My house shall be called a house of prayer of all nations. Do people around you know you're a person of prayer or is it so hidden no one sees it? Will you be known this year, I'm a man, a woman, a young man of prayer. I pray and God moves. This is the season to set up the pattern for the year. A pattern of prayer, intermittent fasting through the year, a little later, we'll talk about another pathway to power, which is sacrifices, particularly giving. These are all roots to the power of God being manifest in the earth. I encourage you to read 1 Samuel again and look for the insights that are in there. Restored cities, that means restored families, restored property, restored territory, 
That's what God wants to do. When you stop praying, you lose territory. When you start praying, you begin to gain it again. What territory do you need to regain? Start with prayer. Why don't we all just stand right now? Would you just lift your hands to me? Lift your hands to heaven. That's right, lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. Just follow me in this prayer. Holy Spirit, help me to pray. Help me to pray. Help me to become a house of prayer. Father, I come to you today. I repent of prayerlessness, of neglecting the altar, the place of prayer and intimacy. And I commit today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to build a place of prayer in my life, a secret place of being intimate with you. I commit today to become a house of prayer. Lord, I set aside my life for this next three weeks to seek your face, to draw near to you. And I stand today on your promise that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I thank you now in advance for fresh encounter, fresh experience with the living God. I thank you now for fresh filling of the Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.